Hello, beautiful people. Today we have with us two very strong, powerful, wise, sensitive, and extraordinary women. We have Christina and Sade Alain. It has been really funny to edit this podcast. I had to stop uh, every so often to create audio bites. Uh, I just wanted to share on social media the amazing pills of wisdom that these two extraordinary human beings were sharing with us. Everything that they said is extremely relevant and easily applicable for everyone. So get ready your notebooks because you are in for a treat. Christina and Sade's work is an amazing mixture and it is the result of a very diverse background in athleticism and dance training. In the work, they blend West African, Caribbean, hip-hop, katak and circus skills and it all is uh, mixed together in uh, abstract but yet powerful contemporary dance pieces which uh, are fast-paced, dynamic and honestly breathtaking. They perform, their workshops are amazing and we will talk more in depth about them. They choreograph. Recently, they were commissioned by Martha Graham Dance Company. And just before this recording, they created their biggest yet uh, commission with a multi-generational uh, number of participants, around 150 people, which is amazing. They also premiere Far From Home, which is their latest piece, which is going to be touring in Australia very soon as well. In this conversation, we also talk about the emotional states right after two big premieres. What are the coaches and the mindset support that the Alain twins count with? How mindset is connected to the body and how studying psychotherapy uh, has helped them to protect others and lead a safe practice. How sometimes it's important not to have a non-negotiable practice. We will be talking about exhaustion, states of consciousness, the science of cardiovascular training, and of course, we will talk about their intensive and mentorship programs. We know each other since long time ago, but I learned a lot through this conversation. Also, after the conversation, please stay for a few more minutes, and this is why. Hello, beautiful people. Hope you're all doing well. This is Bridget with this episode's Towards Eventia to Take Away Training where I'm going to offer you a very quick exercise that you can do inspired by today's episode. And that will be the last five minutes of this particular episode. Before I start my conversation with Christina and Sare, here you have a word from our sponsors. This third season of Towards Vivencia in Conversation With is supported by not one, but two platforms that maximize the power of the world wide web and serve dancers and choreographers from all over the world. This season is brought to you by Choreography Online, the online platform designed for choreographers to build an international name and generate income at the same time. The first time I was introduced to the idea, I thought, oh, this is genius. Choreographers have to upload one video of the entire piece and one video of themselves or their assistant explaining the choreography, counts, intentions, etc. And that's it, very simple. Anywhere in the world, your choreography can be purchased, learned, and performed for however long you would like to license it. Step up your choreography career with Choreography Online. Visit choreography.online. Very simple. On a recent trip to LA, I connected with Gracie and Laura. I know Gracie from way back, but when I got to know what they are up to, I became a true fan, and I knew that what they were doing to spread the knowledge about floor work technique 
is very special. Ground Grooves TV is a virtual studio to expand your floor work practice from anywhere. Explore an ever-expanding library of floor work classes for all levels. Fitness classes to build strength, stamina, and flexibility. Foundation videos to deepen your understanding of mechanics and details. And concept videos to expand your artistry. Start your seven-day free trial by visiting groundgrooves.tv and receive your personalized training program. We live in a moment where dance might seem unimportant or unnecessary. However, I am going to make every possible effort to highlight dance as a key contributor to the evolution of human consciousness. For those of you who are dancers or dance lovers, you know the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual transcendence of dancing and watching dance, and how all that influence who we are today. My name is Jorge Crecis. I am a choreographer, lecturer, author, and coach. For the last 23 years, I have been investigating how I could help others how to facilitate those states of consciousness associated to peak performance and flow. In this third season of Towards Vivencia in Conversation With, I am tackling head-on what really interests me, how dance practices can help us even if it's just in a minuscule way, to evolve as a more conscious species. And given the circumstances, given the state of the world, that's a big task. Therefore, I am not going to try to do it alone. I am inviting world-class dance makers, performers, scientists, scholars, and philosophers in order to deconstruct and speculate if and how dance can be a vehicle to develop human consciousness. If and how. We'll see. Cristina and Sade, thank you for joining us today. We know each other for many years. We have seen each other performing. Uh, we collaborated together through the pandemic. Uh, towards Juventia Academy, you were uh, leading a few workshops in our online platform. But I was really looking forward for this conversation because I am going to take the time to get to know you in a deeper way ask questions about things I don't know or, or things I couldn't find online and things that I always knew, but I wanted to hear from you. Before we jump into the conversation, I really would like to express my gratitude because we have a very special third guest with us today. Christina just become a mom uh, five, six months ago, and we have with us the gorgeous uh, little man. So you might hurt him in the background. And also because we are recording this episode just a few days after the premiere of your latest piece, Far From Home. And shortly before, as I mentioned before, you premiered the Community Sister Project with 150 participants. So I imagine you must be exhausted uh, in the midst of the emotional hangover. But that, that's why I'm, I imagine. So I really want to know and start there. How are you today? Um, I'm feeling um, really happy, actually. We had our, the premiere for Far From Home, but we also, two weeks before that, had um, Close to Home. So we had like two premieres very close together, um, very tight together. But I feel a sense of, I don't know, we feel proud. Um, of what we've done like we've and it's not just just because it's over but I'm excited for the future it's been one of our bucket lists to have the blend of participation and performance 
together because we love performing, but we also love sharing and exchanging. And to have both of those combined together is really a, um, I don't know, it's like a tick of your achievements. And we're just so excited for touring both works because then we meet new people and we start to exchange new memories. And yeah, it's just really exciting. I feel proud that we've managed to make something possible that we can meet a lot of people. Thank you. And besides being happy and proud, because I think it's a massive achievement, as you mentioned, having that community engagement with multi-generational participants, the, the pictures uh, looks amazing. The little clips that I saw online is amazing. We will put on that all those resources in the description of the world. But how, how is being after those massively premiered? Do you feel any tiredness, uh, drain emotionally? Actually, no, you are completely the opposite and you are super buzzing with ideas. I would like to know, yeah, how are you today in that on that sense? It's good you said that. I, I remember Shade like towards towards the Far From Home premiere, she went to me, I have no more movement. I have no more ideas. Just whatever happens someone else inspire me help me you know like just because it's been a long <laughs> it's been a long process a long time coming a lot of a lot of research and going into it so right now I definitely like I feel like my palette is full so I'm just taking time to reflect recover off close home far from home and then let ideas come because you know as freelancers or artists you're always thinking of the project ahead and it's something that me and Shadi are always concerned with that sometimes we can't be in the moment so we're trying to be in the moment but also aware that we have other projects to plan and create but we have to let the we have to let the subject come to us so we're taking right now we are both just taking time to recover rest spend time with little man that's who you can hear crying uh, he's five months tomorrow and uh, yeah, just taking time to recover and then get ideas that will spring to our minds. That's a little bit what I was thinking, because as freelancers, we change lanes really quickly. Uh, now teaching, now choreography, now commissioning, now dancing for someone else. And sometimes it's, it's difficult. And what you were mentioning about being present is a little bit in the direction that I am going and why I'm interested in having these conversations with all of you as elite uh, dance artists. And I'm using this word really consciously because what I'm about to say right now, in an alumni interview for Northern School of Contemporary Dance, you said at some point, alongside our tutors, we became each other's coach. We help us tap into the idea of working harder and getting our mindset ready for what is needed physically and mentally for this industry. That that speaks volumes being each other's coach and and what you were saying getting your mindset ready for what is needed physically and mentally in this industry and i would like to remind our listeners here that you were athletes you were elite athletes before being a dancer you were part of the elite sports industry and in that industry in that sector it's very common to have coaches psychologists as part of the team i cannot think of a more elite dance artist than you both you, you are you are superhumans you travel the world you have families you uh, perform you teach you choreograph you choreograph your own work you commission so so it's amazing so i would like to ask you if you have any kind of support as part of your team regularly. I know that you have your physiotherapist, you have your osteopath. We we share some of the names that are really helping us to maintain our bodies. But do you have someone who's helping you beside you both each other with your mindset? Do you have a coach, a psychologist, something that you use as a resource for those moments? 
I, I definitely know, I think Asina will jump into this mostly, but I definitely know we do speak to each other a lot. And I think what's beautiful about each other is that we accept, I accept Christina as a whole and likewise. So we can really be honest with how we're feeling and what's going on, even if it's quite dark thoughts or heavy thoughts that you wouldn't say out loud because you're afraid of being judged or whatnot. But just to air out those feelings, sometimes it's good just for you to say it, but also for someone to listen and be like, hey, it sounds like this. So we have been each other's kind of punching bags at some times or just being someone to listen to at times and just being the friend, the sister, but also the mentor in the industry. So I do feel very lucky that I ha- I'll always have someone like that. And that's not just for dance, but just for life in general. I guess, Christina, do you want to jump in a little bit? Yeah. And also, I guess when we're talking about the mindset, me and Shade are always not afraid to ask for help or like advice. We speak to people like even just now we've done a premiere, but we just recently sent an email asking for advice and just to have a check-in and a talk. So we have a few kind of mentors in the industry that we'll go to for different things. But in terms of the mindset, I feel like it's connected to my body as well. So in terms of finding a ground where I feel like I can be attuned to the moment and know what's happening, is I I have to find quiet moments on my own where it's just sitting down, not meditating. I wouldn't say I, I meditate, but I do need like quiet time by myself and just to check in with my breathing and let my thoughts ponder around and doing gentle yoga gives my time a moment to actually check in and be like how am I feeling right now and allow feelings and emotions to arise so that's something that I always need to do to kind of like reset my body and reset my mind so that I know what I'm carrying each day so beside those mentors and and those people that help you that we will go back to that later have you ever consulted or get the work of a professional coach or psychologist in the same way that the sport of athletes do at some point you as dancers have you we actually been studying like psychotherapy so we we've done and not necessarily for to study it just for ourselves actually we, we were studying it to protect others because what we however we're feeling that can be portrayed onto others and we teach a lot we're mentoring a lot and I just wanted to both of us wanted to understand are we doing things safely? Is it good practice? Is there other things that we could look out for? What are the signs? So we've done a foundation course with Rollhampton and also Code Arts as well. And just done small courses of like mental capacity as well. And it's mostly just to look out for signs. And that's something I can also look out for signs with my sister as well. Yeah, I think for, for us, I do think it was the for self-practice of what can you do as a checking in your body, in your mind. You have to do something that serves you. And that's what we also learn in the courses as well. And that's when Christina mentioned about the yoga. For me, it's definitely something like gentle yoga, just so I can in tune with my body. But also um, going for walks or seeing friends and then cleaning. It's just something about having a clean space. It all of that is for self-care and that kind of refreshes the mind. And that's something that by studying, we knew that, okay, that's something we have to keep up because it's important for your mental health as well. And then just to add to that as well, by studying, it allowed us to find the different methods, psychotherapy or psychologists. And we, from experience, we've both had this. We know that talking therapy is not 
it doesn't, it's not for me, where it's for others, but for us, we realize it's not for us because we couldn't actually express our feelings. And for me, talking personally, not only was it hard for me to express, but I was also judging myself as I was talking, which kind of damaged me in a sense. So then by doing, studying movement psychotherapy, I started to research more into art therapy and different therapies and finding out which actually helps me in different forms of therapy that maybe you can handle, you can handle on your own or through practice instead of having someone on the other side. I'm really happy that you said that, Christina, because I, I totally agree. I've been working with coaches and psychologists in the past uh, for me as, as my personal practice. And I've seen how they work with athletes and, and corporates. And what I'm trying to incorporate in the world over the last few years with the PhD and things like that is how actually how you can arrive that through the use of the body. Because talking therapy is not, therapy is not for everyone. And I always have the feeling that those therapies are from the nose up. And I really like to, to use the whole body to see how things arise or to, to solve problems through the back door. I'm really happy that you mentioned that. And I wanted to express my admiration right now because I didn't know about the psychotherapies. But now I understand how your teaching is so safe. I've seen you teaching, guys, and then you push limits of the people to... Uh, to to very extreme ways. I've seen that. And it's something that I really like about your work. It's one of your signatures. But now I understand something that I intuitively I knew. It's a safe practice because you knew how to guide those people. You've taken the time and, and the effort to educate yourself, to study, to get into that. So for that, my respect and admiration, because I think it's also something very needed in the dance world more and more because we've seen a lot of damage. So actually, this brings three questions that I wanted to ask, and I'm going to go for the first one. You were talking about yoga, you were talking about meditation, and our lives are quite hectic by going on tour, and now you have a premiere, and our schedules change, and then we have family. Is there a practice that you do from time to time, and sadly you were saying walking with friends or cleaning, but sometimes that's not possible in a hotel room. So is there something that you have as non-negotiable, if it's not every day, it's very often that whatever the circumstances are is, I need to dedicate these three minutes a day, these 10 minutes a day before going to sleep, as whenever it's possible, or if you have a gap in the day that it's non-negotiable practices for your body, mind, and spirit sustainability. I think one of the things that was really important was not to have the non-negotiable. That actually did damage to myself where I was like, okay, I need to make sure I do our yoga and this and that. And it's a lot of pressure because you're correct that if your schedule's constantly changing, it's, sometimes it's actually impossible to keep that going. And that applies stress because you can't give yourself that hour. So I definitely make sure I give myself time and some days it's three minutes and some days it's like an hour or 30 minutes. But I do try and make sure I have a moment to myself. That would be whatever it is, even if it's just sitting down. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's my time. Or can I use it to stretch? It's always a bonus if I can stretch or do yoga. But I've taken out the pressure that I have to do it. And I think that's really something important, especially when I was younger. I was like, I need to make sure I have morning and night. And the older we got and the more busy we got, of course, that's not possible. But I do make sure I connect to friends and family every time I come home. Like just a check of reality, definitely. 
I think that's really important for many of us to hear because I think you're very right. Having the non-negotiable sometimes create that anxiety of I have to. And some days it's okay if you don't because we are not going to, to have a massive negative impact if we don't. Actually, it's more positive not to have that anxiety. So thank you for that. Christina, do you agree? Do you have that is non-negotiable to have not to have non-negotiables or do you have practice? How is for you? I agree with Shade, especially having kids, a son as well. I have to allow myself to have little wins. You know, like if I put the pressure on myself of trying to do this, like it, it's difficult. And I think so through one of our Instagram pages, Elaine Sisters, which is our workout, I started to expose myself and put pictures and talk about the journey of trying to get fit after motherhood. And I needed to do that to give myself confidence and distance from myself and just imagine that it's someone else that I'm reading and kind of allow myself to read, what's the word, practice what I preach, like read what I'm preaching in a sense so I can give myself confidence because I can't do the same thing every day. I've got a little, a little man needed me constantly. So if I can do a little jog, oh my gosh, if I can do my sister's workout, if I can do one exercise, if I can just take a moment to stretch over and click my back, they are little wins. So yeah, I 100% agree with the non-negotiable. And I think the most important thing that I tell myself each day is what is my little win? You know, what did I win? I was like, oh, it clicked my back today and it clicked lovely, you know, okay, fabulous. You know, well, I, I managed to sh stretch for 15 minutes. It's amazing. For me, it's amazing. Especially when we were doing Far From Home creation, I had to be, I had to watch, I had to do the creation from a distance physically and use my words or I'll be breastfeeding in the corner and then trying to tell Shardy, no, the leg, do this with the leg and lift it up here and twist it this way. And can you explain this story to them? Like I had, that was my creation. And then I knew closer to the show, I might be able to do a little bit more. Oh, I danced for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, like little wins is my motto from now. That's what I give myself each day. I like that a lot. And I actually like of the incorporation of age and how the life changes and how that affects our practice, not in a negative way. We use affect in a negative way, but how that inform in there. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that because you both were talking about how the body practices help you with the with the mindset with the state of mind how you study physical psychotherapy in order to protect others so i would like to talk a little bit about the effects of dance practice in others i'm interested in knowing more about your vision of what those states of consciousness that we achieve through dance in your particular case many times through exhaustion rhythmicality textures narrative and emotions have in the person not only in the studio but outside of the studio i'll explain a little bit many people argue that too much comfort is one of the roots of unhappiness and uh, there is a massive race of cases of depression in the 20th and 21st century and many people argue that is because we became too comfortable if you read uh, joe de Sena, the spartan way he, he talks about the necessary discomforts for you to to be able to to deal with situations in life so i would like to know if you see any correlation between in the way that you use exhaustion and the physicality with the mindset that is achieved 
on a stage during the creation, on classes, and that how transmits into your daily life, meaning that are you guys more resilient that if you would not do these practices, do you feel that that exhaustion allows you to rest in a way that you are happier with those little three minutes? I mean, I don't want to contaminate your thoughts or put words in your mind. My question is how this exhaustion physical practice transmit into your mindset, personality traits outside of the studio as human beings because of your practice? I have my sister's word in my head a lot is satisfaction. When I've been observing a lot, especially being pregnant and then giving birth. So I've been able to take a step back from our practice and kind of observe how it's led. And also we've had a dancer that's been assisting Shade and I've had time to be on the outside and observe what do we tell her? What are our values in and principles of teaching and what do we give to others? And what's interesting is that Shade uses the word satisfaction and when she's teaching, not only does she, yeah, she pushes them beyond, she puts them in a state that is, you're happy to fall, you're happy to climb, uh, everything is welcome. But there's a moment where you feel like we're at the peak of the session and then Shadi asks everyone, are you satisfied? And is this satisfaction the same as the satisfaction that you're going to be tomorrow? You know, and then Shadi said, what if that satisfaction went up a little bit that you went a little bit further than you believe you can't? You know, so not necessarily working to exhaustion that you're collapsing, but it's to that limit in your mind what you think is possible. And then Shadi questions that and say, is that limit, are you satisfied or is there a little bit more? And what is that little bit more? And then she says, try it. And then the next day she asks him again, are you satisfied? You know, and it's okay if you are, because today you might feel more tired today. You might have had a harder morning, but I think that's the level of... um push that we think it's important to give people and we say people are movers because this year we worked with 150 people to create peace outdoors and it was people from five-year-olds to 86-year-olds and people of different abilities and yes we had to change our approach but the level of expertise or the level of passion and movement and energy that we gave it didn't alter it didn't change. And that same question of satisfaction, it's still relevant to each person. That gives you motivation for how to move forward. What do you wake up for the next day? And I guess it comes back to my feeling of little wins, you know, that a moment of, okay, this is, I was satisfied with this yesterday. Actually, I'm satisfied today. Or can I push it a little bit more? I don't know if that answered the question, but that's what, when you were talking, that's what was resonating in my head. I don't know if it answered the question, but something that comes out is, that once again, and that's why I admire your work, because it's about pushing, but I always see people smiling and the way that you push is super healthy. That's the way that I can describe it. And now it makes sense that the feeling of success that the people get through your classes, because they are arriving to a point that they didn't know if they were capable in a gentle, in a in an inviting way, more than a demanding way, it's what it makes them happy or, or or feeling that success. How that has translate into your personal lives, meaning that yes, you feel that you are satisfied with that little more push, and and I achieve it, great. And how do you see that has translates for others outside of the dance practice? I definitely think there's a, there's been occasions which is quite interesting. Is that how we teach sometimes you have to remind yourself hey Shada you said this today make sure you do that for yourself 
like Christina a few times and make sure you're enjoying what you're doing um a few times I'm like I am she's like are you and I went yeah I can make sure I enjoy it a bit more like so that and that's from the exhaustion being especially during a creation that we were teaching and choreographing and we had the pressure of performing so your body and your mind is just like what but you want everything to come together and so it is like it's pressure you know and there was many times Christina went are you happy where you are you satisfied with what you're doing right now and there was definitely points where I was like oh really I have to listen to what Sade said a minute ago what did I say (laughs) so I definitely in a weird way like I've used how I feel teaching where I feel like sometimes it's not a different person but I definitely feel like I surprise myself you know I don't think I come especially there's a class called breathing where we go from inside out of movement and how that kind of elevates your spirit and your body it's we don't come in the session planning what to say we know what we're trying to get to but we're both like oh let's begin let's see what room we're working with and it's completely in a weird way planned but spontaneous and I feel like just by seeing how much I, I bounce off feeding from people's energy I always remind myself I can do that I need to do that in my personal life as well so I kind of use others to help uplift me in everyday life because it is especially in the creation it was very tiring Um, but we I never woke up dreading the day which was quite beautiful but then another flip side to it me my sister and I think it is from the athletics it's not the practice it's the lifestyle you know what comes into the dance shoe it's kind of our lifestyle like me and Christina are always pushing and we're always doing too much sometimes is it too much I don't know we can't help it and we just want to do we just want to share and that's in life like my having our mum present for the creation I really saw that we are the daughters of Patricia you know because my mum is very giving and very generous and very energetic and that's us in real life or morning evening night and just seeing my mum how she is I understood how we are and it makes sense why our work is how it is and then to add I think it's hard to talk about others you know in terms of how we affect people because it's only what they show us you know or what we feel so but I can talk about the things that we've seen and I would I guess I would say I'll talk on terms of the Elaine dancers so this year was the first time we had professional dancers as part of Elaine dance so it's not just me and Shade, and that was kind of scary because we're you know it's always been a family thing <laughs> so now we are expanding to the family that it's the same like having a partner it's like okay so you're part of the family now it's that kind of weird bringing them in and I think what was beautiful is to we witnessed the dancers at different moments especially through close to home which is the big mass dance with 150 people was to watch them help people and share like I would come in and I would see one of the dancers like massaging a dance uh, one of the young people or one was playing with the kids one person was talking to the old the older generation and one person was helping someone with lifts or costume and it, it was just really generous and we knew that these dancers were exhausted and they had a little dread at the beginning to be like, oh gosh, now we're going to have to do this, you know, we've been working on ourselves and now we've got to do this big community project. But I think by them witnessing how me and Shade are with the group, I, I honestly feel like that kind of gave them permission to 
take initiative and be part of the process their, their way. And I think that's what I think we give off is not just obviously the way your body moves and the information you give, but I think it's the heart. I guess that comes through looking after yourself first, because if you don't look after yourself, how can you share? But we always try to promote, look after yourself, like go home and eat dinner, you know, have a good breakfast. So then when we come back, we have two meals to talk about, you know, things like that, you know, like what are you going to read tonight? What are you going to watch? Go out, do this, you know, play with your friends or whatever. So we always promote outside of dance as well so that you have more things to talk about, like rather than staying in a bubble. So I'm, I hope that's what kind of reflects onto others. And you lead by example. Uh, it's something that you said about how you deal with each other heart to heart. They allow them the permission. It leads them into, into being like that with each other. I keep thinking about the word satisfied and being satisfied with the work. And something that Sadet said is like, sometimes we do too much. So I'm wondering, have you been those kind of people that you at some point in your life before, when you were younger, less experienced, that you were not never satisfied, but it was very difficult to reach that satisfaction because it was never enough. There was something more to be done. There's something more to achieve. There's something more. And because you have experienced that or you haven't, and you have now the knowledge, what happens when you encounter practitioners who are like that? We've, we have seen many people that before talking about the non-negotiables, no, I'm, I need to have that. So otherwise... I'm going to be answers. Those people that even if they reach something that it was beyond what they were experienced, they always come back to you like, yeah, but I think I could do more. So it's never enough. There's never that satisfaction. Have you ever been like that? And how did you deal when you encountered that in your participants? I would say the young us, yes, that we were like that, like we felt like we could do more. Like we can't sit down and chill I have to stretch and chill I have to do this but I think definitely the older Christina and Sade we we ferry and we enjoy chilling you know we are super chilled people like yes I love movies and I love wine and I love relaxing and I and we we you know we tell people this as well so I think maybe that's why as gifts you know, after teaching, me and Charlie get rum a lot and wine is maybe we talk about it too much or we get flowers because we talk about the garden. Like you can see Shadi at home surrounded by garden. So I think, yeah, we're afraid of working too hard, like constantly. I think we had a dance artist, one of a, a colleagues of ours in like the same industry. We had a conversation with them and I think we were talking about chilling or something. And this person went to us, no, you have to dance 24 seven, constantly a hundred percent like this. And the first thing me and Shadi said was, we're not going to get on, you know, <laughs> just, just because like, you're going to think we're lazy. We're not lazy, but uh, like, you just, I just look, remember looking at the person thinking, yeah, our energies are not matching because we respect rest. And I think that might come from the athletics of getting fatigued and overworking that you have to allow recovery time. And I really respect recovery time. And then to answer about never being satisfied, I think me and Shadi do push. And I can, I, because of the premiere was so close, I am, we're still reflecting on Far From Home. So that's probably why we're talking about it quite heavily because we're still in the bubble. But I remember me and Shadi were up late with our composer working on the music. And I remember there was a moment of like, should we just let this go? And Shadi, who's very musical, she was like, no, because I know what it could be, you know? So like, we pushed, we pushed a little bit more saying, we're not gonna accept this because we feel like 
this is what we need, this is what we want. So it was, you know, so it, it put pressure on the composer because it means that they had to rework, rework the track and start again and just, but we knew it wasn't what we wanted, but it doesn't mean that we wasn't, it doesn't mean that we're just over pushing, it's just that you have a vision. And I have to say, I'm really satisfied with what the outcome was. And we felt proud of ourselves for allowing ourselves to push a little bit further and be honest with ourselves because we are satisfied. It's not that, oh, I think we could have done, this could have been a bit better. No, I, we really feel like we got somewhere where all of us were happy with and satisfied. So I think it's about dreams, maybe not necessarily about pushing beyond limits, but like allowing your dream to be clear and uh, finding clarity within that dream and then reaching for it. But then also there is a level of allowing people to share that dream so that dream can actually form a shape rather than staying cloudy. Am I correct thinking that that clarity is what allow us to be satisfied? Meaning that if you have a clear goal, even if sometimes it's as abstract as I feel that that can be better. And that allows you to be satisfied rather than if you don't have that much clarity, it's like there's always something more that you can achieve. So my question is, how do you help your participants to reach to those states and feeling that, yes, I have reached here, but I could do so much more. So therefore I'm not satisfied with myself. How, how do you deal with those circumstances with your participants either when you are creating with professional dancers in commissions or right now in your work or with participants in your workshops? Have you encountered that situation? Always. You can see sometimes it doesn't have to be said, but you can just see it in their body, in their eyes. I think one thing is I always say, I always congratulate people for making it to Tuesday. Congratulations, it's Tuesday, you're here, you made it in the studio. You beat the London like, hustle and bustle, or you woke up to go in the studio, or well done, we made it to lunchtime, or I don't know, it's just always having the checkpoints that, hey, you've done this, you've done that. And then when we always get approached with like, oh, I wish I could do better, or this or that, yes. <laughs> the answer is, yes, you could do better, or yes, you could, we could do more. Yes, there's always going to be a better there's, you're always, there's always more that is possible. That's the fact, you know? That's it. Like with me and Christina, we can always be better artists, better choreographers, better people. There's always more to learn, more to gain. And better doesn't mean going up. It might be actually reducing things or going backwards. Yes, that's a fact. So then the question for us is more is what are you going to regret not doing today? So you leave this half hour, this minute right now, no regrets, whatever that means. It doesn't mean you have to make sure your leg goes up here or you do five turns or I have to make sure I feel like this, but it's just, are you gonna leave with any regrets at knowing that you didn't try? You know, it maybe you'll get there tomorrow or in an hour's time, maybe you could do it, but are you gonna have any regrets right now? And I think that's main, the main thing I think about but also what we give to our participants, uh, regardless of what stage they are in life. It's about having no regrets. And I think one of the, the things I try to capture at the end of class, before they finish, not before they leave the studio, before the end, the class finishes and everyone's like, ah. I try to make sure they capture this moment and whatever happens from that point 10 30 or 12 or whatever what happens at 10 31 or 12.1 will not affect how you feel right now so your day is not a whole sum of okay oh, today, today was a rough day 
remember you felt good in the morning. So that doesn't affect the rest of your day. So I always try and make sure I capture that at the end of class as well, that this is its own entity. Before this conversation, I knew that we had a lot in common uh, from, from the previous conversation because I see your practice. But the more we talk, the more I realize that we even say very, very similar sentences. Uh, what Christina was saying about the, the rest and repair, that needs to be equally look at the pushing because otherwise without one, there is not the other. And that's really, really important that it's very often forgotten. And I love those checking points that Sade was talking about. Congratulations for doing Into Tuesday. Uh, it's something that I usually say in my class, like, well, congratulations, you made it so far for however many years, so therefore you will be able to survive this class as well. So those, those little checkpoints before the end of the class, capturing that moment that whatever happens in your life, this has happened. This feeling of success has happened. So I love hearing that different people has similar practices, which at the end of the day, I think, and I'm going to ask you, goes to a very similar goal. Try to achieve, try to pass something to these participants or to these audiences that they can take home and they can be happier in their lives. And there's something in the ether about this pushing this limit in a healthy way, congratulating rather than demanding. If you would have to tell us your ultimate goal as dance artists, and if you feel that there is a trend in the dance world that it's about pushing limits in a healthier way, meaning that it is not about everything goes, that's fine if you don't push and however you feel today, you know, it's something about, yes, pushing your limits and dying with no regrets, dying even if it means finishing the class with no regrets. Do you feel that there is a trend in that direction? And who are the people that you admire that help you to feed that trend? I do think it's good to have a variety. I don't think me and Christina would be where we are if we didn't have, you know, our journey. And every individual is different. So how we teach might not work for the next person, but how this person teacher doesn't work for us will work for that person. So I do think, not saying we should always have like these rough old school teachers all the time, but I do think it's good to have that variety like when we were training I remember doing some hip-hop classes and it's brutal like if if you're not showing up like you're not showing the work they're just like sit down <laughs> they're like Ugh, you know but can you imagine if you got that every day it's devastating but sometimes it could be like okay every day wait one day you're going to tell me to stand up I don't know I think it is good to have the variety so I definitely think how we are teaching and, and that kind of positive energy, I think it's important. But I think also to be realistic as well. And I think that's something can be given in a healthier way and proactive way. And I don't think it needs to be programmed that it's delivered that way. I think it's just if the more teachers can acknowledge that they're speaking to this person, I know Sandra, not the Sandras I don't know it's like I am speaking to this person right now so my method of how I tell her whatever the feedback is I'm making it direct to her not of how I would speak to that group I think that's something every teacher could embody it's not just having one method and it takes all but you really dive into the individual or whatever the group is given but I think it's good to have the challenges there are times me and Christina are super harsh you know and we do take away the, like, we try and hold the love, you know, inside we're like, oh, I just want to give him a hug. But outside we're like, mm. <laughs> you know, and it's, but it's healthy environment. So I definitely think if the more teachers could be more human, but also 
do give the the challenge the you don't have to always be inside of the participants let them feel what it's like to have hunger and want to gain attention I think there's a lot of methods that can work around idols like we definitely have the two people that are I think why we're here because it's about visibility and we saw and Dile Sotia and then like Kylie Williams that were like these beautiful thick uh, black bodies muscular strong but so fluid so elegant so graceful but also like predators and aggressive and I don't know it was just blew our minds that someone that we could see ourselves in is being successful in the dance industry and that really motivate us to be like hey we can do it and I think that's something that we're acknowledging that we possibly we are too oh it's weird to say it but we are those people to some some you know what I mean <laughs> it's not it's nice that people look to us as well and I'm aware that people are looking at us like wow if you guys can do it I can do it too and we want to keep paving the way for that so I think visibility is beautiful and if you can see different people that represent who you are I think the more people the better right now for my inspiration personally is basketball players there's so many basketball documentaries out right now and then we also in New York we went to watch the Nets and for me I just like oh they just the way they train their ethos they're just their devotion there's no doubt when they're playing the sport and they're just flying there's no gravity they just I love it so much there's no question it's an instinct it's an instinct sport and it's a survival sport and I love it and right now it's so inspiring and and like can dancers have that on stage it's like for example in Far From Home there's this really crazy scary lift that I catch one of the dancers and I don't know how I do it I don't know like I don't I can't speak at that moment when it's happening I just have to focus in and it's such a it can go really wrong or it can go really well and I just love that instinctual action. So I don't, yeah, right now basketball is the one for me. Just just to add as well, like I think also it depends on what we need mentoring in. So like whether it's the business plan or whether it's day-to-day or whether it's creative. We have different people that enter our lives at different moments. Like we have June Gamble come sometimes. Baruch comes in like quite often into our lives. We've had... Yes, we spoke to Kylie, we spoke to Andile back in the day. We uh, had Dixon as well, our good friend Dixon, Yang Ching, Akram occasionally as well. Yes, I think it depends on the walks. I definitely would say our producer, so someone that we're working with right now, Grace Akerake, she's our producer, so she's working for us, but yet she's also a very inspiring woman. And we come to her a lot with ideas that we have, and then she will talk to us about, okay, this is your idea. Let me tell you the positive and negatives. And then you tell me what you want to do about it. So like she, she's kind of a good person to explore ideas with. And I feel like we have different people that we run to when it's like, uh, even physios. <laughs> physios, I feel like by seeing an osteopath or a physio, that is how I got to know my body the most. I have to say just, and by seeing different physios as well. You know, because obviously it's one person touching you, but to have different people, you you start to recognize your body more and hear hear how everyone talks about your body, and then you end up diagnosing yourself sometimes <laughs> as well. So yeah, thank you both. It's very refreshing to hear you both talking about diversity because that's a very buzzing word at the moment that not many people embody in the dance world, probably because of a scarcity. 
I hear very often like, no, I have the truth. Not, not said in that way, but it's something like, no, things need to be done in this way. And it's very refreshing to hear you that, no, no, different methods work for different people. We need to acknowledge who is the person in the room that we need to adjust our method to that person. So I, I want to thank you for that. And you were also talking about, it's something that transpired through the conversation so far about your experience. You are talking about the older Sade and Christina. And something that I admire from you is I have the feeling that you've been building from the very ground. I've seen... I've seen you rehearsing in very dusty places, performing in very small places, teaching very small people and growing uh, your practice and your skills. It's something that I really admire from you. And I can see here in my notes that Alien Dance was founded in 2014. In the meantime, you've been not full-time dedicated to Alien Dance. You've been collaborating with other artists, dancing for other people, involved in other projects. So here's a couple of questions. First of all is, do you feel right now that are established? And what I mean about established is, yes, we know that jobs are going to come from now onwards. I uh, don't have the fear that I am waiting for the next project to happen, which is, I don't know about you, but happened to me a lot during my freelance career. So I would like to know if you encounter that through your career, you've been always confident that things will pop in or you were having doubts of like, what is the next project going to come? Are we going to be able to carry on our practice? We will be able to have our project developed. How do you deal with that in the past? And where are you in that terms of feeling successful or established? When you said established, the first thing that came to my mind was we were talking about this the other day, me and Shadi, and it's, it's very rare because we're very, like, humble and shy girls, believe it or not. Different on stage, but then, like, in reality, sometimes we're a bit like, <laughs> after you. <laughs> you know, I would say established because I feel like our work, we really like the work that we're creating. We really like teaching and we love our workshops. Like, the pieces that we've created, especially, like, Far From Home, Close to Home, I love it. Like, I love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the music. I enjoy the movement. I feel like the movement stands on its own. It's different to things I've seen before. Like I would say established because we found our avenue of the type of work we like to create and how it affects people. I feel like we're achieving it. I would say for the workshops, yes, like we, we are fortunate enough that now that we're not solely like seeking for work things are coming our way and we're booking things like years in advance or we're delaying things to go for the year after which is beautiful because we want to share a lot we have dancers and we have employees we offer opportunities uh internships dance captains like there's like we just hired someone the other day just because they were really good as a dance captain and we're just like okay we need to use you again for something else so the fact that we elaine dance can offer opportunities and we are an open hub for people that want to shadow us or be in internship yes definitely 100% in terms of touring I feel like yeah we're getting there like I think we're yes we've got if you hear it on paper it sounds amazing because like our next show is in Australia for far from home so everyone's like oh my god you go to Australia to tour we're like yeah yeah but like I feel like it's quite hard to sell contemporary dance work that is I don't know like especially our style I wouldn't say that we are so like we are solely West African Caribbean you know we're not completely 
contemporary in that way. It's like a fusion. So it's a weird box that we're in. So it's not easy to sell these to venues or get them to come over to watch, you know, because it costs money to come to England to watch the premiere or it costs money to come to Australia to watch it. I think in that way, that's the bit that I would like a little bit more establishing, <laughs> you know, and a little bit more people to take risk and have a look what's happening but I'm sure there's a lot of people making work as well so I understand so for me that's the bit that I think needs a little bit more establishing also like papers and what people write about or the the thing the companies that get noticed for awards it's the same like movies like I think there has to be a way of opening it up I think lockdown was amazing that I found that a lot of dance critics and kind of like organizations started to watch other companies that not the same establishments that are on this kind of payroll so I would like that to happen more in contemporary dance that we have more of the critics and more of the dance reviews and more of the award committees coming to smaller venues because there are great work happening it's just maybe it's not on the big stage that's actually what I would like to to ask next and you lead the way really really nicely because I wanted to to talk a little about scaling and about opening up and being diverse and from a personal point of view I have to confess that I have mixed feelings about the support about how the industry is running at the moment. I have the feeling that people with less experience receive a lot of support because they fit a trend that is going at the moment. It has nothing to do with the work that they do. I admire and I respect the work because I know the work that I saw to get there. But it's about the politics. It's about the infrastructure. It's about the decision makers, which I have the feeling that there is something corrupted in the system. It's, it's not thought in the long term. It's something that it follows a trend or is either about gender, race or demographical reasons why decisions are being taken. Or in the worst case scenarios are a reflection of the chronism and nepotism that invade our industry. I don't know. Lately, there is something quite controversial because people with no many experience has been awarded NPO in the UK. For people who doesn't know who NPO is, is national portfolio organizations who in the UK, they give support for three or five years. The critic Graham Watts, which by the way, wrote beautifully about your work, the alien twins, Christina and Sade, deliver dance that demands respect. And actually we respect and admire. Also wrote the other day for Batch Track, as an active dance critic who sees hundreds of performances around the country each year, I am surprised that many of the new MPOs in dance are not only companies that I have never seen, but I have never heard of. What do you think about the dance industry at the moment, the support that is being developed, and what is your wish for the development of the dance industry? I think it's a beautiful thing to have new companies are given the opportunity. What I worry is that their support system might not be there and they're open for harsh critic uh, feedback, but also the support to manage jumping straight into an MPO or, you know, like I think that's, I think it's great to give the opportunity, but also give the support um, to build the companies there. I do. I think yeah, more opportunity is fantastic, but to make sure you have the support for it. I don't know. It's a bit of a numb one because it's always we're always going to have something that we want better. (laughs) So we go back to where we were before, or there's always yeah, things can always be better. So 
Um, and that's how I teach. I'm like, so what do we do about it? And what we're doing about it is continue doing the work, continue to, to speak about it and continue to knock on doors. I think it's about knocking on doors and or email, block, block, send, send or phone in. I mean, it's a different era now because we can't physically go and knock on doors because a lot of people work remotely as well. Where before me and Christina, when we first started the company, actually walked into buildings but we can't necessarily do that now. Plus there's a lot of security <laughs> and whatnot. But I do think for, I think if there's a lot of people that don't get deflated, I think that's probably the best thing and more about solution making. And the solution would be don't be deflated by this. We keep fighting and we keep showing good work and we keep contacting people say, hey, come and see what's good. It's not at that level because I haven't got the support or the funding to make this on stage. But look at the seed and look at with more support what we could do. I think that's important. So it's, I'm definitely more thinking of solutions, like let's keep doing things. And I, it's happening a little bit with us. And I love that companies are communicating because a lot of things you hear, this company's doing that and da da da. But I think what's lost is that, hey, we're all artists doing the same thing. Let's talk about it. What's working well for you? What's not working? And that's something me and Christina are trying to keep that connection with artists as well can be better we can all meet for more coffees and drinks but it's everyone's busy as well i was going to ask if those are informal conversations that happens uh, from time to time or is there a kind of like a network support something that is being organized and established between companies that i might not know of that prompts those dialogues i think what's beautiful it's right kind of private kind of you maybe we mm. Yeah, there's no forum for it. I think there are some platforms, like I know Surf the Wave was quite beautiful at one point because it was loads of different artists and companies came together. But for what me and Christina are doing, it's more private conversations like, hey, da 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 da. Or, and, and I think what's beautiful is that companies are starting to support ticket sales as well. That there's been a number of times we've been putting on our platform this show, that show, and, and likewise, it's reciprocated. Yeah, I think it's really nice that companies feel that they can approach each other and be like, can I have help? There's been a number of times Akron Khan companies helped us in understanding visas because that's brand new to us of having a multi-cultured um, company from across the world. How do we get them to the UK? So it's, they've been really helpful and we haven't felt ashamed or nervous to ask for that support. And the same like with other companies, like even uh, far from the norm, they're looking for dancers. You're looking for dancers. Oh my goodness, we can offer this. I feel like it's such a nice industry that we're that some people are making, and I want to encourage more of that. And Christina, you also had uh, something to say about the industry. There's two things I want to say in terms of like the MPO status. I think we have to be careful that we don't just follow what we believe is the right thing to do to be successful you know like and I think this is something that Elaine Dance we've always had is that we started to make a night's game and tour work before having arts council funding and we funded it ourselves through our practices of teaching and only because we didn't one is that we just want to see we can do it on our own and not kind of bring an idea into a paper before we've actually explored it but now we understand the benefits of having arts council is that you don't have to work so hard because you can have money that supports it. 
But I think it has taught us how to stick to our own ideas more uh, rather than try and change your idea to fit a application. So I think it's very important that people really understand, oh, I'm applying for this and why, and be aware if they're changing their idea to fit that bracket, you know, especially with the MPO status, like maybe your company is better off without having the MPO because, you know, otherwise you need a board of trustees, you need you need this, you need this, and maybe that's not what how your company operates, which is not bad. It's not a bad thing at all. And then the second thing I wanted to say was about having forums. So Shadi mentioned about one forum where it has like, I think it was Surf the Wave, but there's also others where you have presenters, programmers, artists all in the same room. I feel like things like that are really beneficial, but also it can be the opposite as well, because then people might be there just to present that I'm listening, I'm hearing, and you get to hear everyone's issues or problems or dreams, which is wonderful, but sometimes the action, the next step is the thing that doesn't happen. So I think sometimes it's good to talk about it, but then what is the action? Um, so sometimes me personally, I can get frustrated with certain things like that because I feel like it's great that we're listening, but are we listening because the changes are not happening? So I think I that's why I like me and Shadi, Elaine Dancer's approach occasionally is that we like to talk to people about things, but we also like to work individually with younger artists we mentor, going to companies to ask for help or helping each other with marketing and things like that. Or how do I bring dancers into the UK? Oh, you know, like, so I think it's, it's, it's that kind of way that at the moment we like to work. We are going to jump very, very soon into that mentoring intensives. I know that the big thing is coming up. But before that, I would like to thank you, Christina, because of that reminder is very important for everyone who is listening to us. Public funding, it's only one piece of the puzzle. There's many other ways to make things possible. And I think being that resourceful and not giving up or not giving in when you get a no, because we're going to get a lot of no's, it's really important if we have we go back to the idea of the beginning, a dream and, a, and, a, and something that we want to achieve. So thank you for that. So before we go into those internships, let's talk a little bit about your goals, the, your success, future. We are close to Christmas. So I really would like to ask you if you could draft a little letter to Santa Claus, what its utopia for alien dance for the next couple of years, three years, five years, six months. I don't know. You you set up the, the time frame. But also because of something that Christina was saying that I think is also very important. What are the actions that we take? It's not only about, or Sade was saying, it's not only about stating how the situation is, but finding solutions. So what is your letter to Santa Claus and what are the actions that you are taking right now towards realizing that letter? If Santa Claus decided not to grant you all your wishes dear santa i would like to have a good balance between work and family and whatever that means at the moment niger's been coming in the studio with me so at the moment i think that's a nice balance however i would like that the papa traveled with me and then everything could be in a perfect circle so finding a good balance i would love far from home and close to home to reach all continents and we share everywhere and because we're creating a documentary with it so I'd really love to gather a lot of stories about migration and belonging and home so I dream of far from home going far as well as close to home I also dream of 
keep creating. I want to go to South Africa and make the biggest dance piece ever and collaborated with another big company. At the moment, we're talking to a company in America, but I would love to make a massive collaboration. Loads and loads of dancers on stage, whether it's indoor or outdoor, I don't know, but like, I don't want to swear, but I think it has to be bloody wicked. But yeah. <laughs> physical dance piece sorry I've got a lot of dreams I would also like to be qualified as a movement psychotherapist as well so that I can use that to support the like the institutions that I go to because I it just I feel like I will have support in terms of recognizing certain situations and things are happening so I think it will help me also not to take things home because I'll be able to handle it there and then so I would love to be qualified in the next well, next is my master's. So I'll be, I say, I'll give myself like five years in terms of actually getting the qualification and practicing and following people to help me as well. And I want Elaine Dance to keep making touching, emotional and dynamic work that brings more people, gives more opportunities, more jobs and more work for people. And to keep the relationship I have with my sister, that we, at the moment, we're doing good. You know, can you imagine family working together? Whoa. But it's working. Maybe because we live in different countries. No, <laughs> but no, it's working. The love is still there. <laughs> Respect to that. Sade, what do you ask Santa Claus? Because this is where it gets a bit annoying because we're twins. So we have similar... It's not all the time it's completely different. It's very similar. But yeah, I think it, when Christina mentioned the sisterhood as well, like definitely want that to keep growing. And it's weird. Sometimes I'm like, can you believe that me and Christina are now closer because of this, because of the creation or because of Niger? Or can we get closer? But we have actually. And I feel like we can get closer as well. I would definitely want Elaine Dance to keep being successful. And when I say that, it's just to still keep its groundedness and humanity and touching people and inspiring people I just want the company to always have that image and I want the company to always connect to people and be reachable I want our company to keep growing and beat more people but I also want to be reachable as well like I don't want it to go whatever bigger that means and feel like we're untouchable I want people to know our names and be able to speak to us or speak to our amazing team something I guess a bit more personal that the company's familyhood, I would like within the next five years to start to form my own family, whatever that might be. Right now, it's it's a, a cloud, empty cloud here, but hopefully I'll have pictures inside of it one day. So I'm hoping in the next five years, I have some pictures inside of that as well. And something a bit more self, not selfish, a little bit. I want to make sure I have more holidays throughout the year. I want holidays. That's my uh, short-term goal. <laughs> and not to teach when I go on holiday. I'm actually going to do nothing. But I'll probably teach because I get bored and I want to do something. But the aim is just to go on holiday first. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much for your letters to Santa Claus. And I wish all your wishes come true. Something that I really like about your both letters, it has to do a lot with your personal life, with your relationship between each other, with your time to rest, which is uh, you made already very clear that it's important for you. It also highlights something that I always get when I see you, which is that feeling of caring 
and sharing above almost everything else. You know, Christina was talking a lot about the psychotherapy studies to finish in order to help other institutions or individuals so that you were talking about giving more opportunities to other people. Something big has just finished, uh, or well, it's the first stage has finished, which is close uh, from home, which is the 150 people, multi-generational. But also you have something that is coming almost every year, I mean, I'm going to say every year since a while ago, I don't know what happened with Corona, which is your famous intensive, which this year happens between the 5th to the 9th of December in London. Tell us a tiny bit more about what is going to happen those days. Also, you have some mentoring programs out of it. Tell us all about it, please. The Elaine Dance Intensive, I always uh, make a little joke that I highlight in bold, intensive intensive <laughs> we just love it's something that we wanted to do we set it up I want to say 2014 as well but it might have been 2015 and it was just something that we needed to do something on our own and we needed to follow it needs to follow our timetable our system that when you enter the Elaine Chance intensive it's following our program and how we work and how we work is a bit more of the athletic way that it's a short amount of time working and then the breaks are very limited. So you don't have the hour lunch break or half an hour break here and there. We break when it's necessary. So we don't trick the mind that, okay, you rest. Oh no, now you have to dance again. It kind of just, you work intensely and then we can enjoy life. And I think that's really helped us. One, me and Christina creatively as well, just have other bodies in the room. Let's try things out. So a lot of our beginning stages of choreography starts in the intensive but also we've, throughout the years, we've started to gain a family of artists. We don't forget who has been in an, in the intensives. It's kind of like you create this bond that lasts as a lifetime. And a lot of people that we've seen who've joined the intensive in the past years are now conquering the world. They're just flying. They're, they're doing amazing stuff individually and joining companies. And I don't know, it's just a very good training, but also connecting week. And it's just something we enjoy doing. And um, this year we've got the kind of the structure of it is that we do class and then it goes into fitness and it goes into choreography and then somewhat of creative element inside of that. Yeah, this year we're super excited just to be back in a bigger studio. But during COVID it was online and then last year we kind of had it a smaller version. But this year we're super excited to have a bigger space and just to travel and fly and yeah, just exciting. And it's a international opening so we usually get dancers from everywhere flying into the UK as well as the UK enjoying an international week. I'd like to go a tiny bit deeper into your practice about what participants are going to experience in your classes in your workshops. I know that your classes are very physically demanding and I would like to know whether you took any inspiration to create the structure of your workshops from sports and how the periodization of athletics training permeate in your workshops, in your classes. I am particularly interested in how we can develop cardiovascular stamina through dance practice. There are a lot of studies that has been researching the heart uh, rate zones of a dancer while working or while taking classes. And it has been very difficult to find practices 
where the practitioner sustain activity for a period of time, a uh, sustained period of time, within a heart rate of zone 3, meaning 70-80% of their maximum, uh, let alone uh, within sin, uh, zone 4, which is 80-90%. to 90%. For those who are listening to us and is not very familiar with heart rate zones, generally speaking, for a 28-years-old person, their maximum heart rate would be around 192 beats per minute. Therefore, being at the end of zone 3 or beginning of zone 4 would be around 100 to 150 to 160 BPM, which is difficult that we maintain that level of uh, intensity uh, in a dance practice for more than a few minutes. And once again, this is a general rule uh, for everyone who is listening to us. Please uh, do the necessary test to determine what is your specific uh, heart rate maximum and what is the safe zone for you to work on. So I would like to know if you have done any study to check how your classes work this cardiovascular endurance, in which zone and for how long the dancers are throughout your classes. And if not, and equally interesting and valuable and something that I personally use a lot within my practice is using RPE, meaning rated perceived exertion levels, meaning that uh, when someone is asked to work at 80% is what they perceive to be their 80%, so it's perceived rate exertion. And there are lots of tools that we can give to participants to allow them to be more aware and more accurate of those perceptions. So tell us a tiny bit more about the training, the periodization, your sports influences, and the structure of your classes. I mean, I would love to have a study or someone follow us to actually get statistics and to gather the heart rates during our sessions. I think that'd be very interesting just to hear the statistics and what it is, especially with the different groups we work with, like different type of movers as well. So for us, we when we did athletics, we were sprinters. We did long jump and triple jump as well. But for sprinting, we had a track, you know, you have the running track and we would like jog 300 meters sprint 100 and then we would jog 200 sprint 200 and then we would jog 100 sprint 300 and we would keep doing this cycle so you never stop but you have your break in the jogging or in the slow twitch and in our classes we've kind of trained that a little bit or designed it to a point of you have intensity and then you allow yourself to find the rest within movement and so I feel like our kind of classes has this beautiful kind of like intense period oh, okay not so much let's breathe let's see how our muscles are feeling let's do this and then we go intense again so it's an up and down so you do definitely get that kind of aerobic kind of feeling of you're getting your heart rate up and you're yes you're getting out of breath but not to the point where you need to stop and bend over I think that's quite important <laughs> You know, you know, what I mean, stop and bend over that kind of exhaustion. No one gets to that stage. And if they do, we play with it so that we can slowly bring the heart rate down to go to something a bit more smoothly. Yeah, like that's the, you know, even with that's with contemporary, but even with Afrofusion, we do that as well. That we this one's a bit more aerobic, that your heart rate is pumping because the movement just requires more jumps, more stamping, more running, more lifting. So it's definitely more exhausting the session. Um However, again, we can recognize it 
and we bring it down a tad. So, you know, everyone's maybe doing a simple step at easy energy. We bring the music down as well to match the feeling. And then when we say, okay, this is the last moment, we're going to send the music up. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Ready, ready, ready. We go and the music goes up and then the stamina, we go to a point of high energy to go back down. So, yeah, we're kind of basically following our sprinting training of the jog 300, sprint 100 for the session. And how that is that combined with the emotional and you also only mentioned once the word spirituality and i wonder if that's part of your work at the moment so how that blends how that what is the marriage between that physical exhaustion this beautifully dry i'm gonna use that because i like it 100 meters sprint 300 meters yoga jog so there's something like a structure about it which is very beautiful but how that blends into emotion consciousness and spirituality one of our sayings is allow, allow the physicality to provoke an emotion, to create an emotion. So don't deny how you're feeling, like go with it. So if there's movement that suggests tension or struggle, go with it. If you have to grit your teeth, if you have to grunt, if you have to roar, but if there's movement that feels light, that you're happy that you have a release, enjoy it. Enjoy those moments. So whatever emotion comes out, the physicality, we ask them to feel it and live it and sometimes we ask them to fly with it and not necessarily exaggerate it but allow it to have its course its entity definitely there is something about the athletic way of move of working when your body is in this tight environment this struggle that is not going to stop um, like Christina said we when we did the jogging it just kept going especially winter training it just never stopped but there's something mental they can't we can't control your mind your body can be controlled but your mind can constantly be free and I think that's the transition of spirit spirituality a little bit is that when your body is going through something constant where does your mind go where does it and how does it keep you moving and that's kind of the spiritual aspect of the dance and that's when we mentioned about flying when you're dancing Thank you. I can see that it's a beautiful mixture and balance in between that physicality and that emotionality, if that's even a word. I have two more questions just to, to finish. Here, you are talking about how you were as before. You were talking about how you are in the studio. How do you help each other? How do you encourage each other? You also were mentioning about your physicality and your presence when you were performing. But also you were mentioning before the persona that you become when you are teaching. Can you tell us that a bit more about that difference in two ways? In a conscious way, I recognize that I'm a different persona when I'm teaching or when I'm performing than when I am with my partner or when I'm doing this podcast. Sometimes even my voice changes, which is very weird to listen afterwards. But what is the conscious change that you do in that persona when you teach or when you perform? And what is the state of consciousness of being present? Is it any different when you are performing on a stage than when you are teaching? Uh, super nice question. In terms of my consciousness when I'm when I'm teaching, I feel like I'm super present because I have to observe. Like um, I, me and Shadi, we try to we never we try not to allow ourselves to repeat a situation. I think we have two mottos. I guess is you know let the physicality provoke an emotion. But we also say, do not repeat, but recreate the moment. So even though we're going through something similar, we allow the moment to be recreated. 
And I think something about when I'm teaching, I'm leading and I'm observing, I feel like I can embody their dreams or what they're desiring to do. So then I end up doing more to, to, to lead them on that journey. And that, like, even now when I talk about it, I feel my eyes kind of lifting just because I, I, I feel excitement when you see potential. There's something about potential that is yummy <laughs> to, to observe is that's the best way to say but also to watch someone fall and guide them to, to bring themselves back up or witness them learn how to pick themselves up is it's wonderful and I find that when yeah there's something about teaching that I, I feel super present and alive and strong like I believe in I believe in the moment, I believe in my my weaknesses and I believe in the strengths that I have and I, I want to witness and do it together as a group. You feel like you're flying. Like after class, like me and Charlie say this a lot, it's like, I feel like I'm flying. And that's how we feel after, after teaching. So hopefully the participants feel that as well. But in terms of performing, strangely, it does have a little bit of a, a connection because there is this feeling of, being so in the moment that again, you feel like you're flying, even if you're falling, you're flying because you're witnessing yourself fall and then you witness yourself get back up and things are going around you. And I think what's special about performing with my sister is that there's a trust there that if I'm falling, she witnesses I'm falling and you know it won't put her off. She'll go with me or she'll lift me. You know, so I, I, there is a close correlation there because um, there is, you're being observed you're performing, I, I know that I'm being observed, so then I observe myself being observed, but the same as when I'm teaching as well. I think I could add a bit of, I think it's true what Christina said of being seen, when you're teaching you're being seen and when you're performing you're being seen, so there's a moment of pressure, which I, I love pressure, everyone, I, when we teach I'm like pressure, yes, pressure, pressure, and it's like, <laughs> I actually make sure people acknowledge when we go in the circle and people going in, into the fire pit, it's pressure, but it's something about what you're going to do with it. It's kind of like fight or flight. And there's something about if you're, when people are witnessing, they're watching you tell a story or learn something. There's something about commitment. You have to be so committed to what we're talking about, what we're dancing about, what we're teaching or what we're sharing on stage. And I, that's the bit where it's like you have nowhere to run because people are listening. And that's in the teaching and that's also on stage. So in preparation for teaching or on or on stage, I try to do things. I'm always active body, okay, da, 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 what's on the phone or writing or talking. Try not to over-prepare for the session because or the show because all the preparation, there's only so much you can do five minutes before. You can't really do anything, you know? So I always allow the situation to unfold. So when I go on stage, allow the situation of the work bleed into your body you know what what you have to do but allow that moment of time to affect your performance so for example like a night's game 12 minutes of body percussion in silence and it's so it's a scary environment like most of the time I try and ignore it and then just talk to Christina blackout come on stage and then you just feel so many people's energies just waiting for you to say something and it's quite intense feeling and I go with it. I shake, I'm like, let's go. And I enjoy that sensation. Whereas far from home, we have a separation and to se- to have something separate me and my sister is devastating. Don't think about it until it happens on stage. 
And the same with teaching the workshop, I'm aware of who's in the room, but I wait to that point where we're going to start. What are they looking like? How are they feeling? Are they tired today? Then I act on that. So I do wait for the moment to feel or I don't go prepared to perform. I wait to see what what's needed at the time. Soak it up. <laughs> I absolutely loved how you both were talking about in such an intertwined way of performing and teaching and how both experiences are helping mutually one another. And this is something that I'm really, really interested. This is actually the base of my work, how dance can help us to train those states of consciousness uh, directly or indirectly, that being in the moment, that being super present, how that helps you to learn how to listen the needs of other people that I'm sure through your experience, you became better and better at that. In the previous episode, we have uh, Graham Alexander, who is uh, right now the vice president of one of the major mining diamond companies. And I'm also fascinated about how his dance practice affected his work now in a good way, how, how he used the dance skill. Could you tell us a tiny bit more about the people that you know from your time in the British school or the Northern Contemporary Dance uh, School or the people who go through your workshops, through your creations, how your particular practice, what you've heard that infected, affected, helped them in their personal life, if they are dancers, you were mentioning, and I can imagine a few names of people who were in your intensive and now they are flying, being amazing dance artists. But I'm also very, very interested in the people who are not anymore in the dance industry and what you've heard, what do you know from them that the dance practice through you or without you is affecting, is helping you. Christina, we have now a perfect example and we can start there, how your dance practice is helping you as a mom, which I'm sure has that so, so we can start there and then develop with all the testimonials that you've heard yeah I would definitely say that my dance practice has helped me in terms of organization to have a kid you have to be so organized if I want to do anything on my own like perform or teach and because I'm breastfeeding I have to express milk so I have to organize myself of when when can I pump when can I express and usually that time is in the middle of the night where like I'm the most full of milk if for example also as we organize of what do I need to bring with me today you know like I've got all my stuff but I also got to pack a little man's stuff that generally he poos on everything so he needs a few change of clothes obviously nappies obviously baby wipes and then in case he gets ill or in case it's this just in case so there's a lot there's a lot of preparation where oh, like I find that having a kid and being in the dance world has helped me. I find also being aware of emotions, you know, like I tried I, by observing him, like I, I find that I can feel his feelings before he makes a sound or before he cries. And I find people like, oh, he's fine. I'm like, he's not, he looks like he's smiling, but he's not, it's just his face does that, but he's feeling this, he's feeling this. So like. I find that I'm very sensitive to his energy and that's kind of what I found in dance. I have to say also being pregnant and having that knowledge of my body kind of helped me a lot because I was able to, I don't know, witness things that were changing immediately, you know, like on oh, my hips or oh, my ankles. And I was able to adapt to certain exercises or change things. And I didn't have someone helping me on the outside because I didn't actually get a lot of treatment when I was pregnant but I was able to adapt things and I danced until the day I 
gave birth actually. And I just was smart enough to adapt to let my heart sing, even though my legs were doing something else. <laughs> I hope that helped answer the question. <laughs> it did, it did. Thank you very much. And for you, Sade, personally, or something I'm interested from the people that you've studied with or the people who has gone through your processes, how do you, what did you hear that this trait dance has helped them in their lives afterwards? I think one of the beautiful things is the confidence in themselves. Like I love hearing that people believe in themselves more and they trust themselves. Um, and I love hearing when people are proud of what they've done. I can't hear enough of that. Uh, I can't hear enough of that when people are proud of what they've done. But I think confidence is like one of the main things, like the acknowledgement of the body and confidence to go forward. A lot of people I've seen like throughout the process is more comfortable talking about how they feel and not being ashamed of not feeling great or feeling amazing, but they can share that. I do, I, I do like I share sometimes with some of my dancers about like how dancers helped me because I used to never speak that much. I was quite, I let Christina do most of the talking at one point and I used to never speak. And I remember my first lecture I had to do, I just crumbled. I think also dyslexia, words went everywhere and just, I didn't really believe in my voice. I didn't know what my voice was at all. And then just by teaching and really seeing how my personality has changed, I can't, you can't shut me up now. I'm just like, and it's just complete A to Z. And I think that's amazing that dance can do that. And I like sharing that because there's, I've met people that are quiet and I'm like, I can't wait for you to just teach. Let's start teaching. Actually, can you teach this? Um, and they, they're frightened, but later they'll get used to their voice. And I use my story as a testimony for others as well. So, yeah, I don't know. It's really nice to hear. when, And it doesn't, some people that aren't in the dance industry, but they are still comfortable in their voice, in their skin, and they're passionate about what they're doing. And that's it, really. It's not really about hearing they die. I mean, it's, it's nice to hear they're uh, conquering the world in the amazing da, 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 but it's more rewarding for us to hear how satisfied they are in their body and where they are right now. I knew before this conversation that you had a lot to share and their expertise is amazing, but this conversation has highlighted that to the point that I was not expecting. So for that, thank you. And the last question I wanted to ask is related to that, how you share that experience. We've talked about the internship, but you have the intensive. I know that you have a mentorship program. Can you tell us the relationship between the mentorship program and the intensive and is completely separate things? Are they related? And tell us more about the mentorship program that I have to confess that generally is the thing that I know less, the least about your work. So I would say the mentorship's actually separate to the intensive, even though in the intensive we do mentor. But the mentorship, I think it It came during lockdown, actually, and just seeing how many people we started to speak to and luckily to have programs like Zoom and like Teams where you can actually work with people from across the world. We just wanted to create more opportunities, but also kind of manage our time, if that's the weirdest thing to say, just because we do mentor a lot and we give a lot. So something about having a mentorship program, it kind of helps us to be like, this pit, this hour, these two hours, we are focusing solely on this person, not trying to juggle it and be like, okay, I can give you 15 minutes there or, okay, five minutes here. It's like this hour, we've managed to form it that we can dedicate the time to them. 
yeah <laughs> and it's for uh, we have for artistic development and teaching which I think is quite rare like you rarely have a coach or someone to help you during teaching but it's to help them for people that are looking to find their class develop their class transform their classes and it's not that we tell them uh, the, pra the practice that's us you know like it's not us giving us our practice it's actually understanding what do you want to get out of a participant what do you find interesting what is it that you want to provide what do you want to see as well what is it about movement that makes you sing or sound or singing when the and this is open to all ages so we were lucky enough to have someone in their 60s to people before uh, I think she was the youngest was 18 19 so like 19 to in the 60s and it just depends on the artistic development of what what do you want to develop as an artist? What is it that you're searching for? Is it that you're not searching for anything, but you just need to talk through an idea that hasn't formed? And that's what we found a lot with them as well. So it depends. Also, we do, you know, the CV writing, the showreels, the helping with the physical practice, injury prevention, la, la, la. So it depends what they need, but we are there to give that time and support. Anything okay. you want to add, Shadi? You also get the access to 12 workshops um, that we've um, recorded and then they have practice, they can practice it at their own times and repeat it, um, which is quite rare, actually, Like they have it <laughs> for themselves. Yes, I can see in your website that there's three different strands, the artistic development of two months course, the teaching, creating your own workshop, six months course and directing mentoring solo group work, six months course. Do you have a number of maximum people that you take a year at the same time? Is it still open? People can apply for it at the moment. Is it closed? Tell us for people who are listening that might be interested in one of those three strands. So the mentorship will be opening this autumn slash early next year, and then you can apply. So it's not out yet, but it will be out soon, where the intensive is something that's right this minute. Yeah, in terms of how many, it actually depends because the teaching course is longer than the artistic development, as well as the choreography. So it really depends on who do we have. It's quite weird to choose, but it, it just if we have a lot of people, we just have to navigate the time to make sure that you know if you're doing this you're paying for it we want to give you the right amount of time so I think that's the most important so numbers depend on which courses and how many people I think this is a perfect way to round it up also because I think it's really important what you just been saying how we dedicate time to this mentoring and what the prices are of this program, I have to say, it's really, really affordable. You becoming the teachers, the mentors of these people that you became as we started, the coaches, the person who are fighting the corner of the people who need it. Uh, so I wanted to thank you because I can see that that's something very needed in the dance industry. And then you are making it really, really accessible compared to other programs that I've been seeing lately. This is a very good one that I haven't been part of it, but I can already recommend it just knowing the beautiful two souls that I have today in front of me. Christina and Sare, I am really, really grateful to for this conversation that you took the time that I don't take it for granted. It's really, really super busy lives even now being a mom. Thank you for the conversation. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. And it's I think it's to to allow choreographers or teachers or people that are active in the industry be reachable. I think it's beautiful. That's definitely our goal. 
So I just want again to say thank you very much for your time, for your expertise, for your care and to keep developing, for never giving up uh, regardless of the difficulties. And I wishing you all the best and hopefully to be closer to you in, in certain times in the future because I really, really value you as humans and as professionals. So thank you very much and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, beautiful people. Hope you're all doing well. This is Bridget with this episode's Towards Eventia to Take Away training, where I'm going to offer you a very quick exercise that you can do inspired by today's episode. So the exercise for today is inspired by Christina and Shade's absolutely incredible and inspiring drive to push beyond where we thought that we could go to really find satisfaction in what we're doing and uh, to leave with no regrets. And also it's inspired by their equal commitment to finding rest and living a life outside of this epic push and drive. So the first thing you're gonna do is you're going to think of a task that is something that you've been putting off for a while. Maybe it's emailing that choreographer. Maybe it's filming that dance video that's been brewing in the back of your mind that you've just been wanting to get out into the world. Or maybe this is something that you've always wanted to do. You've always wanted to run a marathon. You've always wanted to take a trip to Australia. Think of some of, think of, some of these things that either you've been putting off or it's something that you've always wanted to do. Step two, make a plan as to how you're going to execute this. Tomorrow, are you going to spend five minutes on it? Are you going to spend 10 minutes on it? Are you going to spend three hours on it? Make the plan to figure out what it is exactly you need to do to get this task done or one step towards this thing that you've always wanted to do, done, and make the plan to do it. Alongside of this plan, interwoven into this plan, also make a plan of how you're going to exit from it. It's very important that we don't stay in the doing mode for forever and ever and ever. It's unsustainable and it can actually be quite damaging. So as important as it is for you to get this task done, or to take this next step towards your goal, what are you going to do after you've taken that step, after you've done that thing, to exit from it? How are you going to cool down? What are the things that you can do to take that activity, put it on the shelf, and go about the rest of your day? Make sure that that's worked into your plan as well. Step three, do the thing. Make sure that you commit to what you are doing. You are emailing that choreographer for however long it takes to send that email. You are contacting the dancers that you want to be in your dance film. You are looking at prices of how to fly to Australia. You are looking at what marathons you want to run. You're starting to run all of these things. While you are doing this activity, for this set period of time, ask yourself, what am I doing right now? And how can I do it so that I don't leave with any regrets? Ask yourself, 
inspired by Christina and Shade. Am I satisfied with what I am doing? Can I push even further to be even more satisfied? Quick little note that this doesn't mean that you need to push harder in what you are doing. It doesn't mean you need to run faster. It doesn't mean you need to book the most expensive plane. Ask yourself what feels right in the moment for you to feel satisfied and do it. Commit to what feels right. Step number four, after you've done all that, make sure that you commit to your cool down. So after you've booked that flight ticket, or maybe you haven't booked that flight ticket, who knows? After you've been searching the web for that flight ticket, close the laptop and have a little boogie congratulating yourself for doing it. After you've booked the space to make that dance film, go get yourself a coffee. Relax. After you've gone running in prep for your marathon, are you stretching? Are you taking a warm bath? Are you eating a banana for the potassium? Doesn't matter what it is, as long as there is a dedicated activity that you pre-planned to help you exit from this main activity. Number five, after you've let a day pass from doing this one step towards your goal or this one task that you've been putting off, take a moment to reflect on the whole process. Write down exactly how you made it happen, what steps you took, what happened while you were taking those steps. Um, anything that comes to mind of regarding how you did it. Then think about areas that you'd like to improve on for next time. I promise you, you're going to find yourself in positions where you might be challenged to find the same level of commitment that you needed in order to go for that run or to book that plane ticket or to find those dancers for your dance video. So what could you do the next time you're faced with this to make it an even better experience? What are areas in which you could improve and how could you do that? And then the last thing that you need to reflect on is what was successful? What really worked for you in pursuing this thing that you've been putting off for ages? What really worked in terms of you getting one more step towards that goal? Write it all down. Keep it close to hand. And the last step, repeat this process as many times as you want. You can use it towards any sort of goal that you have, any sort of task that has been feeling a little bit scary lately and that you're not quite sure if you can, in fact, achieve it. You can use this process to help you achieve it. Enjoy, and as always, feel free to share any experiences with us using the hashtag towards Avencia in conversation with, and I'll see you next time.